Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Ravenslayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school, but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Lady Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert, a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. I am Ladyboy Chi-Chi, and tonight we're talking about moon time, menstruation. And I have Jay with me and Imperatrix Droxine. Jay is my partner, and she's very knowledgeable. She reads lots of books <laughs> and is an amazing person. And it's great to have her on the show tonight. Thank you. <laughs> but we've been kind of pre-discussing menstruation and some of the history and so we're going to cover everything about menstruation tonight. And I think to start with, why don't we start with some of the myths and the books. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say where this came from is Droxine and I were talking last week, a couple of weeks ago, about a book that we had both read, just completely coincidentally that we both happened to read it. It's called Flow, A Cultural History of Menstruation by Alyssa Stein and Susan Kim. And it talks about the cultural history of menstruation. I guess it pretty much says it in the subtitle. And then I read a second book, which they kept referring to. It's called The Curse by Karen Hoopart, H-O-U-P-P-A-R-T. I'm probably saying her name wrong, in which case I apologize. And so we started talking about some of these issues of menstruation and the, the taboos against it and the, you know, some of the ideas that people still have. So the book The Curse was actually written in the 1990s. And I was, I was about halfway through with the book before I realized it because so many of the myths and ideas she was talking about are still so 
prevalent today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we had been talking about PMS and the idea that there is a syndrome called PMS, premenstrual syndrome, right? The bloating and the cramps and cravings for food and how the United States is the only country that's created, a, made that into a disorder, PMDD. Postmenstrual. Pre oh, premenstrual. Premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Yeah. So they're taking this thing and turning it into, well, a disorder. I mean, saying there's something wrong with it. And the symptoms of it are so broad. Hey, are you ever irritated? Are you ever weepy? And do you have cravings for various foods? Oh, you have a problem then. No, no, I really don't. Thank you very much. And then just the idea that menstruation is dirty and something to be avoided, you know. It might be good in case we have some younger members in the audience that don't know what menstruation is. Why don't you define what it is? Okay. <laughs> you want to talk about that, Droxine? I would say menstruation is when a woman's body prepares every month to have a period of fertility when a woman can get pregnant. And in preparation for this, the woman's uterus creates a thick lining of tissue where a fertilized egg can implant. Now, if the window of time for fertilization passes and no egg is implanted there, then this uterine lining is shed. And that tissue that is shed is what is known as the period. Ah, yes. <laughs> Very good. And I know that there are so many different myths around menstruation and taboos and just people's attitudes about it are so weirded out. I've been fortunate. I've I've never had a problem with it. I mean, I've had oral sex and copulation with a woman during her period many times. And we've even finger painted on each other's bodies with her <laughs> blood. So we found it kind of primal and very amazing sex during that time. But what are some of the myths that you have encountered? And why don't you go over some of the stuff in the books? Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can certainly talk about things I don't remember exactly what it said in the book but um one interesting thing you know when you were talking and you said that the uterine lining sheds itself and if it's not being used and all this we have a tendency to speak of menstruation in negative terms and even if we feel positive about it or maybe even neutral we still you know it's when the uterus is preparing to create a child or whatever and then it's not needed, and so it sheds the lining. You know, so as opposed to saying something like, you know, it just, it, I can't think right now, you know, like a positive way to say it, I suppose. Eliminates. But, yeah, eliminates or something. But, you know, it's, it's saying it as like a negative thing, and the bleeds, I mean, that is literally what it does, but it's not necessarily a negative issue, but it tends to be phrased in negative terms. Yeah. So it's... Again, maybe part of that goes back to this idea that menstruation is something. And again, in a patriarchal society, when the men are the ones who are in charge, menstruation is something unusual and different, and they don't know where it comes from. So they're like, we don't understand it. It's different. It's odd. It's strange. And people who do menstruate are like, no, it isn't. I do this all the time. You know, it's <laughs> not that big a deal. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
I think in a society where men are in charge, menstruation takes away from the primary purpose of a woman's body, which is to be a sexual object for men. Mm-hmm. You know, which I think is part of why men object to period sex or why men object to find it awkward when a woman talks about her period or like uh, sometimes people say, oh, you shouldn't, don't let someone see your pads or hide your tampon hide your tampons be discreet don't talk about that with your boyfriend because the idea is that it reminds this man about this other function that your body has or this other thing that your body does that has nothing to do with being a vessel for sexual pleasure for him mm-hmm. because that's the main way that in a patriarchal society men will relate to a woman's body mm-hmm. and a woman's period which is sort of the basis of a woman's fertility and the means through which a woman can create life, that's sort of this big inconvenience to men because they can't have, you know, it's like it makes sex messy or it makes sex uncomfortable. And then, like, if she's pregnant, sex is harder. And then if she's just given birth to the baby, can't have sex with her for a while. If you completely objectify women and reduce them to... A sex machine? Just their sex, <laughs> yes, their, to their use as a sex object acknowledging the period or being reminded of the period or contemplating the period forces you to contemplate that they are more than that sex object. And you had mentioned a little bit about the Jewish attitudes. You want to cover some of that? Well, uh, I do know that in ancient Jewish culture and in some of the more ultra-Orthodox cultures Mm -hmm. today, there was this idea of women having to be segregated from their husbands when they were menstruating. And if a man, because the woman was unclean, and if she had contact with her husband, then her husband would be unclean also, and her husband would have to undergo a ritual cleansing. And the woman herself had to undergo a ritual cleansing at the end of her menses in order to be able to rejoin her husband. And... This notion of a woman's period making her dirty went so far as to say that if a a woman who was menstruating sat on a chair and then a man was to come sit on that chair, well, then that man is now unclean and he has to be ritually cleansed. And this idea of a woman being unclean during her period leads to a lot of people have heard of the red tent, and mostly because of the book that was out by that title, where women would have to be segregated during their time of menstruation when they were quote-unquote unclean and yeah had to somehow ritually cleanse themselves before rejoining the rest of society and that's actually that's that idea of segregating oneself is in a number of cultures but it's also interesting so nowadays or more recent times I think some women are almost taking that and reclaiming some of those traditions that were originally like oh no you have to cleanse yourself afterwards because you were unclean some women are reclaiming that and saying no I'm cleansing myself you know it's like it's like I withdraw from society a little bit I mean these days who can do it entirely right Um, and now I am re-entering society it's more of a a, there some women are doing it for themselves some people are doing it for themselves rather than necessarily because they are forced to do it and and there was one and I can't remember my sister was telling me about this some culture again where women had to or people who menstruated it's not always women right 
Um, so people who menstruate would have to segregate themselves. And so they, they would make this, and, and they couldn't even like cook for their husbands or their families or anything like that because that food would be quote unquote unclean. So they'd cook for themselves and they'd end up making these elaborate meals and it's like really, really fancy dessert or candy or something like that. It takes a long time to make. It's really complicated. And so normally over the course of their lives, they don't have time, a chance to make it. And so when they're separated from everybody else and don't have their everyday chores to do, they make this special candy. But then because only people who are menstruating can eat it, None of the none of their husbands get to eat it. So, <laughs> I just imagine all these people sitting around and making all this candy. It's like, ooh, let's eat some candy. And someone's in there. What are you doing? What are you doing in there? Nothing. <laughs> Eating your menstruation candy. There you go. Well, I could imagine if you're stuck in this tent for several days yeah, with nothing what else, else are you to do. do you know? so, and, and, you know, if the taboo against uncleanliness is so great, you know, you can't do things like mend people's clothes right. or do any of the other things. So... Sometimes, and I would not like to be locked in a tent, you know, during my period either, but at the same time, there's also might be something to be said for saying, I'm going to take this time for myself yeah, and kind of, again, withdraw from my se- from society and take a little break and, and then come back to it. So while there are certainly still some taboos and, and myths around menstruation, I think some women are trying to reclaim some of those ideas and change it around, make it more positive for themselves. And I'd like to talk a little bit about going back a little further in history and maybe where some of these attitudes came from. And I think part of it was fear. A woman reaches her full power during moon time, not just her physical power, but her sexual power. I can imagine way back in the ages of cavemen or whatever, (laughs) where this woman all of a sudden starts bleeding, but there's no wound, and magically she's healed a few days later. And, ooh, that's powerful. That's scary stuff. And so, you know, maybe there's some fear behind it that's kind of passed down through the generations. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that. And, and of course, the idea that women can then... And when a child starts menstruating for the first time... I can't believe I'm actually forgetting the... What's the word for that? <laughs> Menarche. Thank you, yes. Menarche, menarche, however you say it. That all of a sudden now, and you know, you were talking about being a sexual being, they can now have babies and mm-hmm. give birth, which, again, if you don't know all about the sperm and the egg, can be a scary thing. Whoa, all of a sudden she's created a human. What's up with that, you know? And that's something kind of interesting because I'm taking working on my courses in Sex Coach University. And for a man, it's hard to tell when he actually reaches puberty. There's not a hard delimiter. But for a woman, as soon as she has her first period, she's now a full woman. (laughs) She has reached it. And, And so I think that may be part of the fear is that, you know, men go through this kind of slow stage into puberty where women it's like day and night well you know a lot of cultures have some sort of ceremony to mark the difference between childhood and adulthood and you're right for girls becoming you know menstruating and becoming women and all that there is that sense of look 
that's that's it. Okay, that's the that's the dividing line. And for right. men, they don't always have that, but they you know create some sort of uh, tradition. Or, some sort at of least tradition. it's not as visible. I remember yeah. <clears throat> when I when I came of age. Fortunately, I was wide awake. A lot of men have this when they're asleep, but I had my first orgasm, and I mean it was like I was peeing. Except it felt too good. There's that much fluid. I mean, it wet the entire bed. <laughs> I've never ejaculated like that since. <laughs> and usually... Years of pent-up... Uh... <laughs> but when a man has his first ejaculation is when he's... That's a clear sign that he's reached puberty. But it's something that's kept more hidden. I was going to say, I wonder if there's any cultures out there that celebrate a guy's wet dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you are a man, my son. Now go clean your sheets. <laughs> now I was in the position where I had a little bit of both. I had bleeding my first year of puberty mm-hmm. because I am intersex. And, yeah, yeah. and that was scary because I had no idea what was going on. And I've heard of a lot of women that because they live in such conservative families they're not told that they're going to have this change of life come about and that could be a very scary thing for a girl to experience to all of a sudden start bleeding and I know they illustrated it in the movie Carrie I know that happens more often than and it still happens which is kind of the scary thing too you know for me, why is there still so much secrecy around it? And we get these mixed messages. On the one hand, girls especially are told, you know, oh, it's just a natural part of life. Oh, it's no big deal. It's nothing. But yeah, don't tell your boyfriend you got it. Don't talk about it. You know, oh my God, heaven forbid that the boys might see a pad in your purse or something like that. You know, don't talk about it. <laughs> but you were, so you were talking about you know, women's first period. And I read another book. This is many, many years ago. So it's called something like The Little Red Book. It's not Chairman Mao. It was about women describing their first periods. Mm. And it was interesting because all over and over, all these women were saying, you know, oh, the first time it happened and I had this gush of blood and it was bright red blood and I thought I was dying and all this. And and again, over and over again, a lot of them, yeah, they were afraid they were dying. They were afraid they were hurt or something. But that wasn't the way it was for me. Mm. which was interesting and it wasn't like three quarters of the way through the book or almost to the end of the book this one woman said I didn't really know when I had my first period because for her just every so often she'd look in her panties and go oh look there's a little brown smear oops must not have wiped myself good enough let me just clean that okay yeah and it wasn't until much later that she realized that was her period it just was very light and just a little bit of a smear and that's the way it was for me so if anyone were to ever ask, when was your first period? I honestly don't know. I, yeah. Sometime in, in high school. That's all I can pretty much say. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up because oftentimes we think, oh, things have to fill in this thing we call normal. Yeah. And, oh, if, I don't, if I'm not that way, then I'm abnormal. No, it's all normal. We're all built a little different. <laughs> Building on your comment on normal, I think, you know, we were discussing earlier mixed messages around the period, and I found that uh, I personally, I don't have a period because I uh, I take my birth control 
all the time to not have a period for medical reasons. And you would be amazed at the number of people who look at me like I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> like, who are just like, how can you do that? It's like, like, my doctor says I can. Like, my doctor says I don't need to have a period, that it's medically okay for me to not have a period. And they're like, but are you sure that's okay? Are you sure it's okay? Like, you know, is that okay for you? Like, you know, like, you know, you never have a period. Like, you never, ever have a period. I'm like, I promise you, I never have a period, and I love it. <laughs> but it's just, it's kind of like this... And I even have some men kind of respond to it really strangely, like, you don't get a period. Which you'd think a man would be like, a woman with no period, the perfect woman. <laughs> yeah, with all the taboos against sex during your period, you'd think they'd be more into it. So it seems like, you know, there's these all these taboos against a woman, ha around a woman having a period, and the period itself is treated as deviant. But it's far more deviant, or it's just as deviant to to try and get out of having a period and to to not deal with it at all. <laughs> yeah, there, isn't there, there is a, par, a different pill or a part, you know, a, a different uh, form of the pill where women can take it now and, yeah, not have their period for like two or three years or something like that. And, again, they're having a hard time marketing it. Now, some women would be like, yeah, give me that. That would be awesome. And, and some women... Even the ones who don't necessarily see their period as a, a time of power, you know, so yeah. that you were talking about that earlier as part of the pagan tradition. It's like, you know, oh, I'm in my moon time, my power time. And some women, even the ones who would probably call it a curse, but they say, no, no, we should have our periods anyway. It's, you know, I'm not going to stop doing it. And it's like, Why? It doesn't make it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, for some women, it can cause a, it, for some women, it causes real medical complications it can really interfere with some women's ability to work. In fact, I've got a friend that has very severe periods. And oftentimes it, she's just debilitated. She can't get out of bed because of the cramps and the pain. And it can be very severe. And I think for someone like that, that would be a blessing. <laughs> but I didn't mean to interrupt. No, and I think, I think yeah, that would be a blessing, but, you know, I think there's such a strong idea that, like, your womanhood is tied to your period, or that, like, a period is the burden you must bear as a woman, and, like, you're cheating if you get out of it, or, like, you're not, you're not doing your duty as a woman if you don't have your period. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I'd like to kind of jump into a little bit is... What are some of the attitudes and values that you've run across, each of you, with past boyfriends or just in society in general around menstruation? Well, as, as y'all were talking and talking about, you know, women who have these really bad cramps or really strong issues or strong pain, you know, so on the one hand, we all know that's true, but a lot of people will deny it or say you can't possibly be in so much pain or oh mm -hmm. no where you know how how bad is that and not just men by the way so women can do that too i i don't have a problem with my menstrual cycle what's wrong with you you know and yeah. of course everything is different and we have to keep that in mind but i think there's two kind of two competing ideas here again like the whole thing that we should all be open about it and accepting about it but shh, don't tell anybody 
And so this idea, oh yeah, menstruation is a perfectly normal thing and you shouldn't have any problems with it. And if you do, there's something wrong with you, more like mentally and emotionally rather than physically. But then on the other hand, there are still a lot of people who say, oh no, it's a curse and it, you know, it's bad and you shouldn't, yeah. Because some people do find themselves being very empowered by their period and they mm -hmm. feel very sexy during their period. And then other people are like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that because nasty and dirty and, and unclean. And so there's so many contradictions, it seems, with period, periods. You're not supposed to talk about them, but it's okay to talk about them, but just don't be proud of it. But you should be proud of it because it's a really great thing, except for when it's not a good thing and it's really bad. Yeah. And it, messages there. one of the things that kind of came up is you're describing that and it's just kind of flashed in my mind. Too often we assume that there's only males and females. Mm -hmm. And actually we're born in a spectrum. We all have, I mean, we all start basically as female to begin with. Mm -hmm. And it's not until chromosomes and hormones and the timing of hormones that differentiates males from females. Mm -hmm. But we all start female. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I was thinking is that what if someone and the person I spoke of earlier that had very hard periods, she's fairly butch, mm -hmm. <laughs> very masculine in many ways. Mm -hmm. And she even told me she had her clitoris amputated because it was too big <laughs> at birth. Yeah. And so there's many different intersex conditions. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine how that would interfere and make having a menstrual cycle much more difficult if you're not entirely female, yeah. if you've got some of the male in you. Mm -hmm. And I just found out from another person, who I won't name, that she just came out as intersex and she was having trouble giving birth because she was intersex. Mm -hmm. And the birth canal was different. And so they had to do surgeries and it took like six hours to save the baby mm. when it should have come out <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know when she was yeah. in that part of labor where she was dilating and everything was ready and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i think that's one of the disservices that doctors do to intersex babies they try to create this illusion with cosmetic surgery mm -hmm. but our sex isn't what's between our legs. It's much deeper than that. And I'm glad you brought that up because we, people do have a tendency, and I know we've been doing it too, is to say women on their periods and men who don't have periods. But, of course, there are men who do have periods and there are women who don't. So yeah. I'm trying to say people who menstruate, you know, and, and <laughs> people who don't, maybe we'll say that. And it could be somebody who's trans or it could be somebody who's intersex. And so you mm -hmm. said some women... Possibly if they have such a hard time with their periods, it's because they're more toward the, the male end of the spectrum. And I wonder, though, how many men who are more toward the female end, maybe, you know, in that well. And actually, they I did see a study a few years ago where men, while they don't have menstrual cycles, they do have cycles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's part of human life. We go through ups and downs. We have this... I mean, yeah, hormonal cycles if, are very common yeah. in everybody. Lots of different yeah. hormonal cycles, but mm -hmm. you know, so for men 
to have, I mean, because again, everybody has a combination, or I guess you say almost everybody. I'm sure there's some people out there who have no estrogen or no testosterone, but most people have a combination of both, right? Yeah. And so how does the estrogen affect men's cycles? How does the testosterone affect women's cycles? And, and no one, to my knowledge, I mean, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, um, has really done a lot of studies on this. And that's one of the things that appalls me is that we have a lot of research around sexuality in men, mm-hmm. but there's so much. I mean, I saw a thing just a while back. They had 100 people, half women, half men, draw a picture of a penis and a picture of the vulva. Mm-hmm. About 99% got the penis right, and only like three or four individuals got the vulva correct mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it just kind of gives a clear insight into how we look at sexuality in our sex negative culture mm-hmm. this penis is celebrated and they i just saw that japan just had their penis festival mm-hmm. parade <laughs> where they were marching down the street with these giant palaces and <laughs> with smiles on their yeah. face well, I'd like to see a vulva festival <laughs> because, you know, the vulva is not celebrated in the same way. It's not worshipped and adored in the same way. Mm-hmm. And maybe part mm-hmm. of that's tied to the whole concept of menstruation to, at yeah. some kind of maybe subconscious level. What other things do you find tidbits from the book that might be of interest and give some insight? One of the most interesting things I read in Flow was that Lysol used to be sold as a douche. Oh, yeah. Ow. Oh, oh, no. That's just cringe. so wrong. It was like just reg- Lysol, regular Lysol. You know, women used to like, they would take an, a rubber nozzle and attach it to their shower oh. and then run it, uh, run the Lysol through there to their vagina and like douche themselves that way from their shower. Mm. And that was to get rid of the smell because. <laughs> Uh, a lot of American advertising, a lot of advertising around period products and feminine hygiene products that play on anxiety around smell. Mm-hmm. And even mm-hmm. though, like, the vulva is, is supposed to have a natural smell, but, like, the whole idea was to eliminate that smell. Like, Lysol it away. Oh, I love the smell. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. such an amazing smell. Of course, I find fresh scent, you know. Yeah. Not of Lysol. Of the no, I know, but I was just, you know, oh, darling, you smell so piney. You know, I can't imagine the health impact of that. Oh, that would lead to infections and oh, all, oh, all kinds of fungi, fungus. And, yeah, well, wasn't, and it was in the 70s when the FDS, female deodorant spray, that was a big oh, thing. 70s, yeah. 80s, I don't know. And I was so young back then, I just kind of heard of it. I didn't quite know how one was supposed to use it, but I'm, I'm now envisioning some horrible, horrible <laughs> things where you're supposed to spray your underwear or where you're supposed to spray it up in you. And I'm like, oh, I, that second part just, yeah. But, uh, well, we're to the midpoint of the show. I want to take a little station break and remind everybody that we do have all kinds of educational materials on our website. Go to ravenslayerleather.com. In there, we have training on 
advanced sexuality. We have training on BDSM. We have training on everything surrounding sexuality, even some guided erotic meditations that are yummy to listen to. So check out our website. And I have some good news. We finally got the membership site up and running. And I've got a link on Ravenser website to join Adult Bedtime Stories membership site. And on there, we'll be giving little tidbits and information. It's a place for listeners to share stories and talk about shows that you've heard. Or even take a look at some of the things you've learned and grown with from this show. What has helped you from listening to adult bedtime stories? It's also a good place to start creating a more sex-positive lifestyle and meet kindred spirits online who want to pursue the same path, who want to meet others that are really tired of living in the dark ages of sexuality. And it's a safe space to come on and talk about whatever you want to talk about, as long as you are respectful of all the members and honor each other. You can bring up any topic. Maybe there's something you're afraid of that you've never talked to anybody about before. And you can do it anonymously by getting a email address of your own just for this membership site. And you can get free email addresses still. So check it out. Go to ravenslayerleather.com and I have a podcast page on that site and it has links to everything you need. On another note, we do have a Patreon page, and so far we've been paying for this podcast out of pocket, and we're going on a year now, and we would love to get some support and donations, so I've set up a Patreon page. There's a link on my website to it. If you can spare a dollar a month or maybe $5 a month, that would certainly help us out on the show. We do have production costs and we pay for the podcast service, and there's lots of expenses for this show. Not to mention that I would love to be able to get some better recording equipment. <laughs> so anyway, we'll come back to our show. Our topic tonight is on menstruation. And I know that for me, I've always celebrated menstruation. I find it very primal, very erotic, it's a time of the month when I've had girlfriends in the past just, I'd get home from work or out and about and she'd jump my bones. <laughs> <laughs> and it was delicious. And then, oh, I'd be covered all over with that beautiful scarlet color all over my genitals. It was beautiful. <laughs> but I've always had a very positive attitude about menstruation and about sexuality. It's something that's, I think I just grew up in a very unique way because I learned so much experientially before I learned about the names and the labels and the 
stigmas. And once I learned about the labels, stigmas, and all that, I thought, they got it all wrong. This is good. (laughs) Well, I think you're right. I mean, how we grow up really makes a big difference. And as I'd said earlier, you know, in my family, three women and a mother and a father. So my poor dad was outnumbered on so many things. But he never, I mean... I wish I could kind of ask him about where some of his attitudes came from. He never considered it strange or unusual. It was just normal. It was just the way it was. And since my father is the one who um, did all the grocery shopping, of course, he bought all of our pads and all our tampons and everything. So he knew the difference between a pad and a tampon and a, you know, light cycle and heavy cycle and all that. And he would buy those things for us completely unashamedly. So, okay, here's your pads. Have fun. You know, whatever. Well, I don't think he ever said have fun. That was probably more my mom. <laughs> but, um, and I love you know. your mom's yeah. attitudes yeah. about things. Oh, and, yeah. Because my mother was, both my parents were feminists too. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if they ever consciously talked about it. And, you know, we're going to raise our children to not be upset about this or if they just didn't really think that much of an issue of it i mean it was really just a non-issue for us coming up it's like oh yeah by the way mom i started my period i need some pads okay (laughs) and for those that do have cramps or really difficult times during your period get some grow some catnip and make catnip tea it can really help out with the cramps Mm And uh, Jay was a little suspicious when I made her her first cup of catnip tea, and she came back and said, "Ooh, that really <laughs> well." Tell us. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's. By the way, it's a very nice light flavor, and you need to get the fresh catnip. Don't get the stuff from the the mm-hmm. pet store because that's mostly stems. Um, it's kind of a light minty flavor, which is interesting. And it's now I never had really strong cramps, but I would just be kind of feeling icky and you know, dull, I guess. And uh, the catnip tea really, really helps for the mild to medium kind of cramps. But it's that sort of thing that we don't really talk about a lot of some of the alternative ways to to ease some of the problems with menstruation, because of course there can be some problems. And uh, what are some things that you can do to, to ease some of those issues and ease up those cramps and all that. And that's, again, because of the taboo, we're not really supposed to talk about it, at least out in public. And I think that's part of the reason our culture is in such disarray around sexuality is that we can't talk about any of this stuff Mm -hmm. openly. And, you know, I want to kind of toot the membership site horn I want to create a space where people can talk about these things mm-hmm. and can discuss. Oh, I had this happen last <laughs> night. Is that weird? <laughs> no, it's not weird. Maybe a little different from some, but you know, along those lines, here's something that um, I wanted to say because again, I was in college at least my sophomore year, if not my junior year. By the time I found this out is some women during their cycles or some people during their cycles have a discharge, clear, kind of slightly sticky discharge when they ovulate. And this is why I never knew when I had my period when I first started, because I would have this this clear discharge. I thought, oh, this is like pre, you know, menstrual fluid or something. Eventually it's going to turn into blood, right? Isn't that the way it works? 
And I didn't realize that that was not my period. That was ovulation. Mm-hmm. There's a technical term for it. I forgot what it's called, but it happens in the middle of your cycle. So then I start having my period. It's like, oh, here's the blood part. Okay, got it. And then, but I still had this other thing and I thought there was something wrong with me. And, you know, this was pre-internet days. So, my gosh, that's a long time ago. Um, so I couldn't, you know, Google it or anything like that. What does this mean? But when I did try and look for it, they're like, oh, if you have a clear discharge from your genitals, it might be a sexual, sexually transmitted disease. I'm like, oh, crap. I'm a virgin and I have an STD. What's up with that? <laughs> And so when I finally found out what it was, I was like, oh, that's what it is. Oh, okay. And yeah. now it's just, it's no big deal. But it's, it's for me, it's heavy enough that sometimes I even have to wear a pad, a panty mm-hmm. liner. But, you know, because otherwise it just gets all over the place. And I had never heard of anything about that except through, actually, through Our Bodies, Ourselves. I love that book, right? Ah. A feminist <laughs> book on, uh, on uh, body health. So it wasn't until I saw that one. That I went, oh, that's that's what that is. So, yeah, it'd be really nice to have a place where we can just talk about this. And I, to this day, I don't know. Do any other? I don't know if any other women that I know have this happen to them. It's or just me. <laughs> Am I unusual? Or of all the books you've read, which one do you really highly recommend for people that want to really learn more about menstruation? I think Flow is an excellent book to start to get a whole context. Flow is where I learned that the period you have on birth control is not a real period. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just, it's, you know, it's a discharge that you have that's based on the hormone levels changing, but it's not, it's not the same as the period you would have if you weren't on birth control. And it's something that the makers of the pill designed that way because they thought, oh, women just need to have their period. They won't be comfortable if they don't have a period. <laughs> And actually, what birth control does is it mimics pregnancy. And so the body doesn't continue making and discharging more eggs because it thinks it's pregnant. And so it kind of tricks the ovaries into saying, okay, stop production for a little while. (laughs) Yeah, I'd certainly start with flow. It was definitely an interesting book. It's not so much about menstruation itself as it is about the cultural attitudes and the history of it, but... Um, yeah, that's where you hear about some of the things like, oh, it's bad to talk about it, but it's okay, but you shouldn't. Was was that the book, by the way, where the woman was interviewing a whole bunch of like girls, eight, nine-year-old girls, and every time they'd say something, you know, like period, and all the girls would start giggling. Oh, you said a bad <laughs> word. You said a bad word. Was that in that book or was that? Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember if that was in that book, but uh, it certainly would fit with the theme of the book. Uh and I do remember, I do distinctly remember in elementary school being like all the boys being sent away. Oh, yeah. And oh, it's yeah. like, and all and it's like, well, it's just us girls here. And then it's like, then they give us this whole video about this is what's going to happen to your body. Mm-hmm. And this is, you're going to start having a period and you're going to become a woman. And you, you can't swim, you can't swim unless you use a tampon. And it's like, why didn't the boys stay to learn about this too? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and again, all the myths that came up from that too, you know, women can't go swimming when they have their period. And yeah. Why not? And, and again, I think it was in this book, uh, flow where they talked about the myth, which I had never heard of before. So it was interesting where if a woman's menstruating, then bears can smell her blood and they will come after her and chase her and eat her. And I've wow. heard the one with sharks and swimming sharks in the too, ocean. Yeah, <laughs> and, all that. and so they had, they did a, uh, 
study, I guess. Uh, they tried it out, basically. So they had a bunch of bears, I think, in a zoo or something. And all these women are walking around in there. First of all, with all these big, you know, body suits on. So if the bear mauls them, they'll be okay. The bears were just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so then they took off the body suits. And they're walking around. The bears like, yeah, whatever. And then they're like, like you know, throwing tampons at them and stuff you know use tampons the bears are just going get out of here stop bothering me you know so they didn't care but i just I, i'd never heard that one before i was like okay i'm gonna get mauled by a bear if i'm on my period i think it shows how much people exaggerate the amount of flow oh, God. like people yeah. think it's oh it's so much blood it's so much and it's like it's very little like it's just like a teaspoonful of, or so of flow it's you know it's very little uh, amount it's not like this gusher of it's not like you're chumming the water <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. it's not like you struck an artery and time. it's gushing out <laughs> but you know we were talking about you were talking about uh, myths and things like that and taboos and whatnot and how it would have been so good for the boys to hear that yeah movie too because when I was in college, I took a women's studies class, and one of the, there were like three guys in the class, and one of them we were talking about menstruation, and he he asked in all sincerity, "Well, when you use a pad, doesn't it hurt when you pull the pad off?" And we're like, "What?" And he's like, "You know, when you stick the pad onto your vagina, <laughs> you hear it to you peel off the." <laughs> I was like, "No," and we all just yeah. First of all, we all cringe, and we're like, "No, that's not the way it works. You put it yeah. on your panties." And he was like, "Well, why would you do that?" And I'm thinking. <laughs> You don't even know how a pad works. Oh, you know, I got I got so many weird questions about tampons because one time this was at school too. No. One time at school, some company for some reason they were handing out these pack. I think it was Procter and Gamble was handing out these bags of samples, and they had tampons in there. And the boys went crazy with the tampons and like put tampons in bottles of soda and flung them places no, and were like no. just amused by how much the tampon expanded. But when they saw how big they got, they're like. What do you do with that inside you? They're like, how does that feel? Do you like it inside you? And I'm like, no, it doesn't. You, you yeah, barely feel it's it. Not, it's, it's, it's not, not a sex toy. Yeah, yeah, it's just a tampon. You know, my grandmother would think it was a sex toy because my grandmother told me that if I used a tampon, I would not be a virgin anymore mm-hmm. and no one would marry me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Another one that is myths yes. around. Yes. Yeah. Menstruation. And yeah, speaking of tampons, one of the other guys in the class was saying that one time he found a, a sample or something that had come to the come to the house, and he was fairly young. And he pulls them out, he opens them up, he says, "Look, mom, what I found! Rockets!" And he That's hilarious. The app self applicator. Rockets. But yeah, the, I mean, guys have some crazy ideas when it comes to menstruation. You know, say people who don't menstruate don't know how it works. So well, we were talking about the luxury tax, right? And the, mm-hmm. the extra tax they charge on tampons and tampax because, you know, it's, it's like, oh, you don't really need it or it's a luxury. It's like, no, we need it. And some people will say, well, why don't you just hold it in until you get to the bathroom? What's wrong with you? You know, you're not a baby. It's like, you really don't know how menstruation works, do you? <laughs> doesn't work that way (laughs) i have a question for each of you okay uh what would you tell the men listening to the show about menstrual cycles to help break some of the myths and some of the taboos around it my first thing would just be to say first of all it's just get over it okay sorry but it's (laughs) not unusual it's not unusual it's not mysterious 
And I know some people like to, you know, say all this stuff about woman's moon time, and that's that's a great way to put it. But, you know, it's just something that happens every day. Not every, well, yeah, I guess every day to somebody around the world, right? <laughs> Luckily, not every, oh, yeah, and by the way, it doesn't happen every single day to every woman. And menstruation doesn't happen on the same day every day of the month. Yeah. Sometimes people think, well, it's every 28 days. So on the 28th of the month, all women start, no, no, just don't. Talk to people. Educate yourself. First, educate yourself, though. I mean, you know, having to hear some of these stories is like, you know, so tell me what it's like to have a tampon inside of you. No. Okay. Just no. Go read a book. That's what I would say is educate Mm -hmm. yourself and then talk openly about it and listen to the stories that you hear. I would say, you know, if you have a partner that menstruates, I would say, first of all, talk to your partner and Mm -hmm. see... What does your partner need from you while they're menstruating? What can you do to be supportive of your partner? You know, uh, ask your partner to help you understand. Because, you know, every, you know, many different people have periods, but each, every person's period is unique. It's like a snowflake, a red bloody snowflake. Uh, And if you want to know how to be the best partner you can to your partner that's menstruating, it's important to be in a dialogue with them about it and to be open-minded and to listen and to show that you're sincere. Because I think people can understand if you're a man and you have no reference point for what's what's sti- where the sticky side of the pad goes or um, how it happens. But if you show that you have this genuine desire to learn and to be there, it goes a long way. I'm glad you brought that up because while I've had girlfriends that like to jump my bones during her period, I've also had girlfriends that felt it was more private time. And that can vary from person to person. And again, I think that's something that's really important to hear as well is, yeah, so certainly talk to your partner, see what your partner says. That's always a good place to start, right? Do, do right by the person you love. But don't take that as, oh, this is the way it happens to everybody as well. I mean, you know, everyone's different. Everybody has different issues. So anytime, every time you have a partner who menstruates, right? Even like, well, I talked to my last one about menstruation. Yes, we'll talk to this one then, you know? Keep keep educating yourself. It's just different every time. You know, I've known a lot of women that have different complications, whether it be cramps or moodiness. Some people don't want to be around others during their period. Others, it's they're in great shape, ready to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts about menstruation or things you'd like to recommend, especially for young girls that haven't experienced it yet? Do you have any advice on what to expect and what to look for? Because one of the things I came up with in the class is that they've done some studies, and it used to be a woman usually reached puberty around 12. Mm -hmm. Now they're reaching puberty as early as 9. Yeah, yeah. And often parents aren't educating their little daughters that early. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, again, I think the tricky part here is since it's different from every – for everybody, excuse me – I think it's kind of hard to say, here's what to expect, right? Right. Because obviously it's different, but I don't know. What what would I say? You know, your body's going to go through changes. Ah, you know, that was something else that came up in the book a lot, too. And so for a lot of 
people, they're like, yay, I started menstruating. This is so great. I'm a woman now. Woohoo. And others are like, oh, man, I'm a woman. I don't like this. And especially maybe for more of the tomboy kind of people. And mm-hmm. the idea, I mean, in a sense, it's a really important thing when a person starts their period. But in a sense, it's also not. It's like, wow, you start your period. And the rest of your life is going to be pretty much the same. I mean, it's as big a deal as you want to make it. Does that make sense? So, because mm-hmm. I was always a little scared about that. I remember that video and you watch it and I was like, oh man, when that happens, I'm going to be all different. I'm going to have to dress like that woman there, which since we were watching something from the 60s, it was a little scary, but you know. Oh, now you're going to be a woman, a delicate, dainty flower, and you're going to have to give up all the things that, you know, playing with boys and stuff. It's like, oh, why? That's no fun. So... While it could be, consi- I mean, obviously it's puberty, it's a different stage of your life, but it doesn't mean you necessarily have to give up who you are or change who you are or what you like to do. I think one thing that is associated with periods is that, that it does mark the time when you reach adulthood, in a sense, at least your body. And your body's going to grow a little bit faster during that time, and you're going to have all kinds of changes. <laughs> Not just the menstrual change. Yeah. and But, you know, so that's an interesting idea, too. We've always said that, or people have always said that puberty marks this entry into adulthood. But if kids are starting menstruation when they're nine, yeah. that is, you know, not adulthood. So that's something else to consider as well. Yeah, you may be starting your period, honey, but you're not an adult. And you're not going to be an adult for a long, long time. Well, I don't I mean, mean you know, adult in the... No. Legal sense, I know but what you adult mean. Yeah. in the bodily sense. Yeah, but <laughs> That still, she can now bear children. Yeah, but that's a terrible thing to tell you to a nine-year-old, you know. And again, I mean, while it may be true, that just seems to me to open mm-hmm. up the door to all sorts of things we don't really want to get into, right? Yeah. Child marriage and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. maybe, you know, maybe it used to be more of an issue, too, when people weren't living as long. So it's like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. like halfway through your life or whatever. Um, I guess people live longer than 30, but, you know, it's it was a good chunk of a person's life. And now, again, I, it's an important time in somebody's life. I'm not saying it isn't, but it is one, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe one part of the stage to becoming an adult. Maybe we can put it that way. So, yes, I don't think it's is as sharp a divide maybe as it used to be. Yeah. Well, we're reaching near the top of the hour Do y'all have any last words about menstruation that you'd like to share? (laughs) I think I'm good. Ah. Any last thoughts, Droxine? I think it's just part of the natural order of things that needs to be accepted and respected. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I think for me, part of menstruation is part of our sexuality for women. I think it is also for men in a different way. I mean, often throughout our cultures, men have been afraid of it, not wanted to talk about it, isolated women away from them during that time, but it is still a part of relationships. It's part of living with someone. Yes, if you're living with a woman, there's going to come that time a month each month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Why not talk about it and learn about it and really discover more uh, about the whole idea and concept of menstruation? 
come to terms with it. Don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Don't get icked out or turned off by it. Come to this point where it's a celebration. I know that's one of the things I love about the pagan community is that a lot of the women do celebrate their meantime. And yeah, that's neat. <coughs> and yeah. I think that is a time, a special time for a woman to really celebrate, and the men can celebrate with them. Sounds good. <laughs> good ideas. <coughs> well, you've been listening to adult bedtime stories. As usual on a, this show, I like to end it with a little advice to experience your pleasures, the pleasures of the flesh. Enjoy those nocturnal emissions. <laughs> Get in touch with your sexual body. Explore it. Bring it alive. Our bodies were designed by nature. They were designed as sexual bodies. So why not enjoy the amazing experiences of pleasure that you can enjoy? Open the door. Don't let guilt and shame scare you away. Open yourselves up and really get in touch with your whole self, your sexual self, your physical self, your mind self, the whole person. Because to be a whole person is to be a sexual person. We're all born with genitals. So with that thought, have a good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual. Attention, all Go Guns enthusiasts! Have you seen what Sarge has released recently? These new models and attachments are sure to excite you. Outfit your desk with these meticulously crafted gun models. Guaranteed to exceed your expectations. We'll buy them back up to 100 days. Don't miss out on the opportunity to add these stunning pieces to your collection. Visit GoGuns.com now to see our new releases.